Hi, everybody. This is Mike Oppenheim, and you are listening to Coffin Talk, Interviews with the Living, a weekly podcast that explores our views on death, affect the way we live our life. And this week, our guest is very special. His name is Ed Martin, and he's the vice president of Hartsdale Pet Cemetery, the oldest operating pet cemetery in the world, and a business his family has owned and operated since 1974. As a teenager, Ed spent his summers working at Hartsdale, cutting grass, planting flowers, digging graves, and running errands to buy cigarettes and coffee. And then after college, he dabbled as an attorney and a certified public accountant, but eventually he returned home to Hartsdale, where he considers his true calling in life. In his spare time, Ed plays keyboards in several Grateful Dead cover bands and runs a Grateful Dead fan account on Instagram that is dangerously close to having 50,000 followers. Let's hope by the time this is released, he gets the bump he wants and deserves. And he also practices yoga daily and is forever crafting playlists on Spotify. So I can't wait to talk to Ed because I am from the Bay Area. I'm a huge Grateful Dead fan, and I also uh, am just dying to ask questions about a pet cemetery. So, Ed, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for the introduction. Great to be here, Mike. Absolutely. And uh, our standard three questions we ask every guest before we even get started is just how old are you? Uh, where did you grow up? Because I don't know where Hartsdale Pet Cemetery is. And what generation, if any, do you consider yourself a member of? Okay. So my age, I'm 57 years old. Um, I grew up uh, in a small town called Bronxville, New York. It's about 30 minutes north of Midtown Manhattan. And um, what was the third question? I lost track already. Oh, uh, yeah, that's fine. Uh, what generation, if any, do you consider yourself a member of? Um, I guess baby boomer. I guess that, that's... The, I was born in 1966, so I guess baby boomer. Yeah, I think you're right on the cusp of the uh, Gen X baby boomer. Yeah, so. just right on the line there. Yeah. yeah. And I have heard of Bronxville, but only because I lived in Ithaca and spent a lot of time in New York City where my brother lives. So. Um, oh, great. Okay, yeah. yeah. But uh, And is Hartsdale Pet Cemetery in that area? Yes, it is. Um, Hartsdale is... It's about 45 minutes north of Midtown Manhattan. Cool. All right. We're going to ask questions in a random order because that's how I do things. So I want to get into the Grateful Dead stuff first just because it's fun and it'll warm us up. <laughs> Fire away. I was, uh, I think I was 13 when Jerry died and I lived in the Bay Area. So when he died, it was like, I mean, blackout curtains, like society stopped and it was a huge deal. And I was young. So I remember just being shocked that like they were that important. And then as I got older, I fell in love with their music and I was so sad that I never got a chance to see them before that because, you know, they played pretty regularly. So my first question to you is, did you get to see them play live before Jerry passed away? Plenty of times. Yes, I did. Awesome. I started seeing them. In, uh, my first concert was in 1986 cool. um, at RFK Stadium <laughs> right before Jerry had the coma. Uh, oh, the wow. first The first scare. So that was almost the first and last. Um, and I got into them in a reverse way. My, my brother had seen them. My, my younger brother actually had seen them a few times and um, before I saw them live, I was actually collecting their tapes and I kind of got them. Most people, it's reverse for them. Most people see their concerts <laughs> yeah. and start having, having a big tape collection. And for me, it was the opposite. I was, I was collecting tapes and then I finally did get a chance to see them. So That's awesome. And were you playing keyboards like long before you fell in love with them? Yes. Um, I have been playing the piano since, I don't know, I was in like fourth grade or something. Took a hiatus to play the drums um, because that's always fun and uh -huh. cool to do when you're a teenager. <laughs> and um, since my brother also played the drums um, when it was time to go to college, and we shared the same drum, drum set. So when it was time to go to college, I let him take them because I played two instruments and I just kind of focused on the piano from that point on time. That's awesome. So is like Pigpen kind of a hero of yours or are you ever... <laughs> <laughs> I like them all. I kind of incorporate all of their styles. Pigpens, Keith Cacho, um, 
Bren Midland, uh, Vince, and uh, Bruce Hornsby. Kind of try and do them all. That's so. awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. So it's like not weird to grow up around death the way you did, but it's also totally weird. Like it depends on what culture you're from and, you know, how you grew up. So was it like odd when your friends and stuff would meet you and you're like, oh, yeah, my parents own Hartsdale Pet Cemetery? Yeah. So, um, you know, when you're a teenager, you just want to blend in. <laughs> different. You know, <laughs> um, so, you know, a lot of my friends are, you know, what does your dad do? Well, my dad's a doctor. My dad is, you know, whatever, um, a banker. And, um, well, my dad is, you know, owns a pet cemetery. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was, that was, that was a, a definitely different, um, you know, thing. And, um, but I found as I got older, um, People are just like, wow, that's cool. Like, I'd like, you know, I'm at a cocktail party and I say I work at a pet cemetery. My family owns a pet cemetery. Like, I want to talk to you and I want to talk to the banker. I'd rather talk to you. You sound much more interesting. So, (laughs) I totally agree. I would make a beeline to talk to you at any dinner party. I'd be like, wow. Okay, so I'm a huge lover of animals, all of them. Um, I'm pretty much like a practicing vegan at this point. So uh, I love what you do and I absolutely like respect it. I also know that whenever I tell people I did hospice, they look at me like, how could you do that? So it's kind of weird that I'm asking you, how could you do that? Because I just had um, two dogs pass away within six months of each other. One I'd had for 14 years. The other was like my first dog after him. And then we found out she had a fatal heart condition and it like she died six months later. So I think, you know, grieving for an animal for me is actually harder than for a human, which might piss off my audience, but it just is. There's like this weird difference and the the goodbye isn't the same so like how is it on your end like how much of that like energy do you have to like deal with from your clients and stuff is that hard for you Mm. well first let me start by saying um you know expressing my condolences for both of your losses because i i I, you're welcome i i I also i i have i've experienced pet loss myself and i kind of sort of recently in 2020 i lost um uh, my dog violet and um so i kind of gained a whole new appreciation of what people go through when they when they lose a pet and um it's really opened my eyes to it made me i mean i was already sensitive to it having worked here um uh, as long as i have but um it made me even more uh, sensitive and more able to relate to the people what they're going through um when when people lose a pet um, I see it not as, um, uh, you know, it, it's not for me, it's not difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I see it as being really being a human being and being compassionate to somebody. Um, so I don't see it as something that is, um, you know, a gloomy or, um, or difficult thing. I just, I feel like I'm just, um, helping somebody and there's a lot of satisfaction in being able to help somebody. And that's why I love my job so much. That's so cool. That's such a great answer. And I think like, I mean, it's so like redundant to even say it, but that really is as I get older, I'm 42, like all I can really put my finger on is that's the meaning of life is just helping other people. And it sounds like I'm trying to virtue signal or some BS like that, but you know, you know how it is. It's just, it actually is true. It really feels good. And so, uh, speaking of that, like what was, uh, did both your parents like equally start the cemetery or was one more into it? And can you kind of give us like the history of how they decided to open it and all that? Yes, I can. And I just wanted to go back to one thing oh, you sure, said before, please. because it comes up a lot actually. And you said that, did you say you lost both of your parents or? or no, no, my or, pets, not my parents. Sorry. Your pets. Yeah. Okay. Well, or, or maybe you said you, there were, there are humans that, that, that passed away. That, yeah. That I just think it's like harder to like say goodbye to an animal than a human is what I was trying to say. Like when you're in the room with the animal before you euthanize it, 
nize them, which is the case for me both times. Or even if you're just saying I had a different dog pass and I didn't go to the room with him, but like it's just different. Like saying goodbye is what I was trying to talk about. Okay, very much. No, because um, one thing I a theme I've heard here is people have told me, you know, I've I've lost my pet and I've lost either one of my parents or both my parents, and I've had a more difficult time. Um, with losing my pet and I feel guilty about that yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and the first thing I can say to people about that is that um, is that I, you're not the only one I've heard of like I hear it a lot a lot more than you think actually <laughs> yeah. and and you know and I think the way and that may sound shocking to people that, that either don't have a pet or maybe you know haven't you know or have lost their parents and haven't lost a pet yet um, but I guess I mean I'm fortunate enough to have both of my parents so I haven't experienced that yet um, uh, but my response to that is that it's, it's different. It's like apples and oranges. Mm. Um, uh, what people go through when they lose their pet, it's, it's different because our pets are with us every day and we see them every day and their schedules are such a big part of our lives. Um, we feed them, we play with them. There's, you know, we walk them and, and then when they pass away, and they're almost like children, you know, to us because yeah. in, our, in our caregiving. And when they pass away, um, first of all, I don't think anybody really anticipates how how um, how much they're going to grieve after their pet passes, especially when it's their first pet. I, mean, I think it surprises them how much their pets become a part of their family, and that's really what 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 the loss is: is they've lost a family member, and. Um, so the grief, you know, typical thing when, uh, the more love there is, the more grief there is going to be. So when you bonded with a pet for as long as you have, and you have these, this, this schedule, that's so part of your life, uh, when your pet passes, um, that, that schedule ends and, and all of the routines you have with your pet that you no longer have are a reminder of what you lost. And, um, and so they're just triggers for sadness all the time. And to, it, it really, it's, it's just adjusting your life to your new schedule. And so in the beginning, after you lose your pet, the first couple of weeks, it's super hard. Um, it gets, it does get better over time, but what you're really adjusting to in the beginning, at least is the adjustment of your life and your schedule of not having your pet because everything is a trigger for what you lost. Yeah, that's so well said. And I'm so glad that we circled back to that because that really is like, a huge issue. Wow. Yeah. Um, so now do you mind getting into the history of uh, how your parents came up with the idea and opened it? Definitely. Okay. So um, first of all, my family is not the first family that's been here. Um, my family is the third um, family that, that's been at Hartsdale. Um, Hartsdale was started by a veterinarian um, uh, in 1896. Um, he this The cemetery was his summer home at the time. And he, and there were most of his, the way it really started was um, most of his clients, he, he was in New York City, and most people who lived in New York City did not have um, a backyard where they could bury a pet. And cremation really wasn't that prevalent in the, the late 1800s. So um, what people were doing when their pet died, because uh, they had really had no other option, was to leave their pet on the curb with trash. And that is oh, wow. not acceptable for, I mean, for, for most people. So, so um, you know, the, the, this vet started hearing more and more, I can't bear the thought of that. And so he started offering his summer home, which was a very, you know, in Hartsdale, it was a very, it was a very rural, like apple orchard. And he said, you know, if you meet me at, at my summer home, I'll, you know, I'll have your pet buried here. And he, the, they repeated this a few times. 
Um, so the story goes, he was mentioning the story to casually over lunch to a friend of his who was a reporter from the New York Times. And the the New York Times reporter said, wow, that would make such a great public interest story. And he wrote about it. And um, then there was more, it just it became, there was more interest. Oh, well, I think I'd like to have that done. And I, you know, so, um, so that's kind of the way it started, kind of organically like that. After Dr. Johnson passed away in the late 1930s, early 1940s, there were two local families that lived in Harsdale that took over the ownership of the cemetery. And they moved into Dr. what was Dr. Johnson's summer home. And um, they ran the cemetery uh, hands-on because uh, Dr. Johnson was running it uh, from his office in Manhattan where his, his vet practice was. So, um, so these two families ran the cemetery until 1974. Um, there was, you know, they, over the years they had retired, some had passed away and there was really just one person that was left. Her name was Irene Lassen and, um, she was looking to, to get out. She was looking to retire. Um, she had a son who did not have an interest in getting into the pet cemetery. So, um, my grandfather, who was my dad's father, he had a monument business and one of his main clients was the Hartsdale Pet Cemetery. Oh. And so um, so Irene Lassen approached my grandfather and asked him if he would be interested in purchasing or running the cemetery. But he was almost as old as she was, and he was looking to retire soon. So he offered up my father, who um, was a CPA, and said, you know, well, you can talk to my son maybe about retirement planning. And that's that was under, you know, the, the premises that they met, that, you know, my dad was going to give her some retirement planning advice and tax advice and so forth and so on. Um, um, but when they met, they really hit it off well. My dad always wanted to do something entrepreneurial and um, obviously, you know, loved pets. And um, I think Irene um, Lassen trusted my father because of my grandfather. And um, she asked him if he would run the cemetery. Of course, my father said, well, you know, I, I don't have the money to buy the cemetery. And she said, well, it's more important to me that I pass the cemetery on to someone I trust than, than the money you can pay me over time. And so my dad um, enlisted one of his childhood friends, Pat Brasso. The two of them got together. They put up whatever capital they had, and the rest was as a note, and they, which they paid off over time. Uh, they brought in my grandmother as the secretary, the person that met with people to, you know, when they lost their pet, that was the first person they would speak to. Mm. Uh, my uncle, um, my dad's brother-in-law, uh, worked here uh, administratively in the office. Um, Pat Ross's brother came in as the, um, the foreman, the supervisor, uh, for the grounds. And so it continued to be run as a family, um, business over the years. Um, I, you know, so my dad's been here since 1974, almost 50 years. Um, Pat Ross has since retired and I personally have been working here. Basically, um, uh, I started working here when I was 14 years old and as soon as I had my working papers and I was as I said, and as you or as you said in the opening comments, that I was cutting grass and you know running errands and things like that. And so I'm basically, a mailroom, you know, employee right up to now I'm the vice president. So it's kind of worked every aspect of of, uh, of Hartsdale. That's awesome. And so um, one of the pivotal questions of our podcast is, what do you think happens when you die? So I'd love to ask you that now, and then kind of uh, relate it to maybe how much that's changed or has to do with your uh, professional career. So what do you think happens to you specifically, Ed, when you die? Hey, everyone. If you're a fan of the show, please head over to MikeyOp.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us, and it's free. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com. Thanks. 
Uh, you mean, will I be laid to rest at Hartsdale? Is that what the question is? <laughs> <laughs> or are you just asking metaphysically? What <laughs> Let's go with is, metaphysical. Is there an afterlife? Are we talking afterlife? What are, what are we getting into here? <laughs> that was the funniest response I've ever heard to my question, and I thank you so much for that. I'm still laughing. Let's go with metaphysical. <laughs> um, well, this is just, you know, what I believe. I'm sure, you know, um, everyone has a different flight. I, I do believe there's an afterlife. I believe we'll be reunited with our loved ones, and that includes our pets. <laughs> That's awesome. And did you ever at any point in your life have a different philosophy, or has it pretty much been since childhood that you believe that? Uh, I think I've always had that belief. I, you know, it's 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 optimistic, and um, that's that's the way I, I am generally. So I, I I do hope to I'll be reunited with uh, with people that are no longer uh, on on at least in this life. So cool, I like that a lot. And I'm curious about uh, part of your career because it's not a small it's a small part of the bio you sent me that I read, but it's not a small thing to get uh, certified and pass the bar and also to become a certified public accountant. Um, so how many years did you spend pursuing uh, both of those? And uh, do you ever miss doing either? Uh, I don't miss those. I, I love what I'm doing so much right now. I mean, um, I, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, those my years spent um i never really practiced law i went to law school but i never practiced mm-hmm. law I, I i i was in a public accounting firm i worked for pricewaterhouse and became pricewaterhouse coopers oh yeah um and um i learned a ton there about you know um organizational skills and clients and service and um uh and, and everything uh I, I learned very important business skills um there that um i'm really glad that i have but um, I I really love what I'm doing here, um, and that is um, helping people. It's 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 meaningful. Um, it 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 fills my soul, and um, and um, I'm really happy that I that I have you know this to as as my as my job, my career. It's hard to even even call it a job because I don't consider it that. And actually, uh, only because I didn't even think about this, but when COVID occurred, did it affect your industry? Were there special laws passed? Uh, how did that work? Well, we were essential. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess most people, if you want to call it the death industry, um, were essential um, workers. So I did come into work um, every day during COVID. Um, we had to modify what we did. Um, you know, part of our service is we provide um uh, you, you can view your pet prior to the um, to the burial or cremation taking place, uh, um, and so I guess I should start by saying we don't force anyone to do anything they don't feel comfortable <laughs> doing. But yeah. but most people most people do want to say farewell to their pet, and so we have a private viewing room which affords people that opportunity. Um, so with COVID, we were not able to you know have them do that because of you know social distancing and everything so we would have the viewings were done outside at the graveside um as opposed to indoors like we usually had you know the the, the, the dedicated um viewing room wow i mean that's cool i'm very glad that you were considered essential and i think it's uh i mean it, it, maybe it sounds cliche but it's like it's weird to be like brave to go to a place where you're going to help people who are grieving and bereaving, but like also you're going to be running a risk of getting sick. So I, I find that like noble in a certain way. So thank you. Sure. You're welcome. I mean, some people, I mean, we had to be creative with it too. Another way we did it was some people 
um, didn't want to come here because they they were afraid, and rightfully so. Um, so I was like, why don't we do FaceTime burial? Uh, burial. Oh, so cool. we would do the FaceTime viewings also, and that that worked for some people as well. That's awesome. Before we kind of close things out, I would love to know if you have like any particular stories you like to uh, share. Like you mentioned at a cocktail party, do you have like a funny one or a very moving one or maybe both? It's up to you. Um, there is a moving one um, that that that, that there. Uh, so as I think I told you, there are humans that are buried here uh, at, at Hartsville, probably about 800 humans that are buried here. And we're talking about ashes, not human bodies. We're not licensed to bury human bodies. Okay. Um, but uh, uh, during COVID, we received a phone call um, from somebody who was an executor of an estate, and um, he was carrying out the, the will. And it was a woman from Mexico that wanted to be um, buried here. And so I asked all the usual questions. I said, well, is any family member going to come to select the plot location? And he said, no. And usually that's very unusual. Usually if a human's going to be buried here, usually you know, there are many family members that attend the, um, the burial uh, or, and or pick out the plot. And that was not the case here. And I said, is anybody going to attend the burial or select the monument or anything like that? And the answer was no to all of those questions. So I was you know, scratching my head wondering how someone who lived in Mexico knew about Hartsdale Pet Cemetery and wanted to be buried here. And um, no one really had an answer. So, uh, you know, we just did what we were told. We, we carried out the will as, as it was in, you know, intended to be. Um, about a year later, I got a call from the attorney and um, that I had dealt with on this. And he said, you know, um, I, was, I was talking to a friend of, of this person that passed away. And she seemed to recall that this person had a teenage son who passed away in the 70s or 80s and that he had been cremated along with his family dogs and they were buried at Hartsdale Pet Cemetery. He said that what I told them was that 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 doesn't seem possible because New York State just allowed uh, human burial just, you know, within the past 10 years. So that's not possible. So I said, well, actually, that's not true. We've been doing human burial since the 1920s. New York State came in and um, stop and you know, put a cease and desist onto that, but that was only for nine months. So uh, the last name was an unusual name. I did a search in our database and I got a hit. And she, uh, and then I went out. To, I went out to where the plot was located, and there was there was a, a headstone that had her son's name on it, the two pets' names, and her first name was on the stone as well. So clearly, she had wanted to be buried with her with her son. Um, and, but she just didn't, she wasn't specific about it enough in the will. So, um, uh, I, I suggested that we, that we have, that we bury her, um, uh, with, with her son. So we, so, um, so we disinterred her urn and we moved it, um, to, to be, so she could be reunited with her son. So to me, it was a very touching, um, story. And, um, just by, you know, the stroke of luck, you know, just, you know, by that person making that inquiry and then the lawyer bothering to even call me about it, we were able to all piece it together and make sure that she was buried with her with her son. That is so moving and so beautiful. Wow. I'm like so glad I asked that you told <laughs> that. That's really beautiful. Wow. Yeah. That made my heart lift. Thank you. The last thing we always have with our guests is we just give you the floor to give whatever message you want. It has doesn't have to have anything to do with your career or anything like that, but what would you like to say to our audience? Um uh, I, I, I guess I would just say, um, when some, when you, when somebody loses a pet, um, sometimes people are a little judgy. Sometimes people are, Oh, it was just a pet. You know, you can get another pet. 
um, or you know, you, you why don't you get over it? You know, you you'll be okay. Um, I think that, or why are you spending your money so much money on burying your pet or on cremating your pet or whatever memorialization you're doing? Um, it's very judgy. Um, and I've had people who are friends of mine actually who had those feelings. And then when their own pet died, they, they said to me, you know, I never realized, um, uh, what your, you know, how valuable your service is. It's, and it's not so much, you know, we, we can dig a grave or sell you a monument or do a cremation for you, but really the whole thing is, it's, it's to try and make you, to get you through the grief. We all grieve so differently and, um, it's so individual and um, it's just, it's really just, as I said before, being a human being and being compassionate. Don't be so judgy and um, just um, be there for someone when they have a loss, whether it's a pet or a human. So well said, and thank you so much. I absolutely love that uh, entire explanation. And I think it is weird that people don't get that. Um, I didn't grow up like that, but I definitely, the first time I lost my first dog, I mean, it was right after I'd lost my grandfather. And that's what I was kind of comparing to when we were talking earlier is it was just so different. So thank you. And not only for coming on the show, but thank you for doing what you do. And to everyone who listens at home, the best way to support the show is to head over to MikeyUp.com. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com. And you can sign up for the weekly email that I will send you, which sends you a fun philosophical essay as well as the weekly announcement for the podcast. Um, thank you again for tuning in. My name is Mike Oppenheim. You have been listening to Coffin Talk, and we will see you soon.